1: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2%
4: This, This, This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and
5: Howard Back. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship.
4: Like and subscribe
3: for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What
5: does that mean? Could be the best
3: duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are Chris Mannix and Howard Back.
6: And we are back. Crossover NBA podcast, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. And Beck, we are now able to record this because I figured out what time zone that I'm in. Had some time zone issues early on uh, in the day on Tuesday, but I figured it out. I'm in Salt Lake City. I'm here for the first day of the Salt Lake City slash Utah Summer League. Somehow I got it in my head that we were supposed to be going backwards in time when we're going or forwards in time we're going backwards in time I don't know what it was but I may have left you hanging there earlier today my apologies for that my friend
5: I'm not sure this is a time zone issue I think this is a math issue
6: I think you got math problems I think it was time zone I mean for some reason I thought I don't know what I thought (laughs) who cares I don't want to do this again I I, I didn't do very well (laughs) in math on the SAT as long
5: as we're now we're we're recording we are uh we're connected Your hair looks uh, Mannix-like. We're good to go. We're fine. Good to go. Good to go. Set to go.
6: And, Howard, this is going to be the first podcast in a couple of weeks where we do not open up with Kevin Durant, and we do not begin with the Brooklyn Nets. That's because the Utah Jazz and the Minnesota Timberwolves came out over the weekend and blew the NBA storylines out of the water. Minnesota made a huge bet on Rudy Gobert, trading four first-round picks, three of which are unprotected, along with Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverley, Jared Vanderbilt, Leandro bolmaro hope I'm saying that name right, and the uh, Waco Kessler, the number 22 pick in the draft this year, all for the right to call Rudy Gobert their starting center. So, Howard, your initial thoughts on the stifled tower making his move to Minneapolis?
5: Man, um... I've got so many different thoughts, so many layers to thoughts here. We'll get through it all. Mine, yours, uh, whatever, the, the people's reactions out there. I, it's it's a hard one. Like, I don't have a definitive, this is great, I'm so impressed. I, 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 there's, there's too many different caveats in this. So let me just start with this, though. On the Minnesota side, if nothing else, I admire the boldness. I admire the confidence it takes to make a deal this large and that big of an investment. I admire them being all in. I admire the fact that, again, with these new owners, and I know that uh, Alex Rodriguez and uh, and Lori are not fully in control yet. It's them plus Glenn Taylor. But we're seeing the stamp they're putting on this with the bold moves they're making. First in hiring Tim Connolly to run basketball ops, and now this blockbuster trade. And I feel like that is certainly more reflective of a big, bold new ownership than it is of the previous ownership. Also, while we're putting all that in there. I trust Tim Connolly. The guy did a phenomenal job for the last decade in Denver. I trust his basketball acumen more than my own. So eventually we're going to get to our concerns, or at least I know I have some, with the deal. But I admire all of that, and I trust Tim Connolly's instincts more than I trust my own to make big basketball moves. All that said, yes, it was a massive price to pay for a— a, a, a great defensive player, Rudy Gobert, but one with offensive limitations and one who we've seen get played off the court in the playoffs repeatedly. But given where the Timberwolves are, Chris, I still admire the move for him. I'm not sure if it's the move I would have made. I'm not sure if I would have sent out that much. I'm damn sure that I don't want to pay him as much as he's going to eventually make on this contract. But could be the right move at the right time for a Timberwolves team that is young and needs an injection of something else. So...
6: Minnesota last year was a middle of the pack defensive team. And yes. they were able to rank that high in large part because I thought Chris Finch did a really good job, you know, disguising defenses, throwing some junk defenses at teams. They didn't have a basic, fundamental, foundation defense that was any good because they didn't have a strong back line of defense. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns. I thought he tried more on defense last year, Howard, and the numbers back that up, but he's never going to be an elite defensive center. And when you throw in how much offensive responsibility he has, he really shouldn't have to be an elite defensive center. So they go out and they get Rudy Gobert, and they're automatically going to become a top-10 defense. They might even be a top-5 defense. That's how good Rudy Gobert is defensively. Um, They're going to have... This is going to have a big impact on winning in the regular season. So... I get it from that perspective. Winning in the playoffs, though, is another story. Can you win with Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns as your front line? The Timberwolves, in every possible way now, are zigging when the NBA's zagging, right? Like, the NBA is going small. You have a center who shoots threes on most teams, and you have a bunch of forwards and guards around them that shoot threes as well. <laughs> you're, you're a bunch of floor spaces out there. Now, Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best shooting big men of all time. Might be the best shooting big man of all time. But I'm curious to see defensively how it works with Cat at the four and Gobert at the five for extended minutes in postseason games. Uh, that's really the only way, it's the only time Howard we're going to be able to judge this because I think they're going to get off to a fantastic start. I think the organic growth of Anthony Edwards another year for Carl Anthony Towns add Gobert to that mix they're gonna be better in the regular season they might be a top five team probably going to be top five team. maybe top four uh maybe top three I don't know top three in the uh, in the Western Conference they're gonna be that good in the regular season but the playoffs that's the big question can you play a front line of Gobert
5: and Towns in the postseason and have a high level of success I'm glad you mentioned the playoffs Chris um because uh, in Minnesota, they don't actually get to talk about the playoffs very often. Um, this team has not won a playoff series since 2004. They've had two first-round outs since then. Um, we talk all the time. We mock the Kings for their, you know, record-setting playoff drought going back to what is it, 2006? I think um, this is just as bad as that, if not worse. They haven't won a playoff series the, the Timberwolves since 2004. That's 18 years. I was still living in LA back then covering the Lakers, which is when that run ended because the Lakers beat them in the conference finals. And Howard, they've won one playoff series total. That was the only that that
6: KG Spreewell, uh Sam Cassell team that went to the conference finals that year. That was the only time they advanced in the postseason.
5: Yes, so they won two series. They've won two series ever in their existence and they were both in 2004 in getting to that conference finals. They have 10 playoff appearances in their 33 years of existence. Gobert has won, has made three playoff series just since 2017. Um and yes, the Jazz got knocked out, you know, in the first round a few times, but they also made the second round a couple times, which is more than the Timberwolves can say. And look, whatever else we might want to make of this, how about this Uh, reductive version of it that I think is is a positive in Minnesota's favor. Edwards and Towns together, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, better than any two teammates Rudy Gobert had in Utah. Donovan Mitchell's great. I think Anthony Edwards is going to be better. But I also think that Edwards plus Towns is certainly, I mean, obviously on its face better than any second and third players Gobert had with him in Utah. You know that Minnesota can be elite offensively, given those two guys' presence. You, you point out that they manufactured a mid-range kind of defense, a decent league average defense without any rim protection. And with Carl Anthony Towns being a, basically a bad defensive big, he sl- sl- slides over one. If Gobert can make them even top 10, much less top five, combined with the offensive firepower they have, now maybe you're in business. And, you know, look, while we're on the subject of the of their lack of playoff success, you know when you start winning playoff series consistently or at least getting out of the first round? When you're top four instead of bottom four to make the playoffs. And I look at the top of the Western Conference, there's a chance. I don't know that they're going to break the top four this season, but I see only three teams as of right now, right? We are waiting for some stuff to happen in Phoenix. So pending DeAndre Ayton returning, or pending DeAndre Ayton leaving in a uh, a Kevin Durant trade, or in some other trade. The only three teams that I say are definitively, not possibly, not maybe, definitively better than the Wolves, are the Warriors, Clippers, and Nuggets. And two of those three, Clippers and Nuggets, we're assuming good health by guys coming back, right? So there's three teams that are definitely better. Phoenix, up in the air. So now the Timberwolves are in this second tier of teams with Memphis, who they lost to in the playoffs uh, this spring, Dallas, New Orleans, and whatever the Lakers become. Minnesota's right there. They've got a chance to be maybe as high as fourth, Maybe they're fifth and they're in that four or five slot where, hey, you're pretty close to, you know, the, the five can upset the four and it's not even really an upset. Like they're right there, I think, if all this breaks right, if the chemistry breaks right, if this uh, front court pairing works out. And and you said it, Chris, I'll throw it back to you on this note. Yes, it's counterintuitive or counter, counter to all modern trends of small ball and bigs who step out and blah, 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 blah. We just saw the Cleveland Cavaliers have a breakthrough season going Jared Allen and Evan Mobley together in the front court. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Jared Allen far less accomplished than Rudy Gobert. Evan Mobley, a rookie. If they can go zig while everybody else is zagging in terms of size in the front court, why can't the Timberwolves do it with a a former defensive player of the year and Rudy Gobert who's still in his prime and Carl Anthony Towns who's one of the best scoring bigs in the league?
6: Well, I think the reason that worked in Cleveland – Was in large part because Evan Mobley is a special big man defender. Like, he's a guy that can protect the rim, but also excels at defending on the perimeter. And that's my big concern. Like, when you go against smaller teams or teams that play small, how is that going to work defensively? You can't expect Carl Towns to be you know switching off like let's say you go up against i'm throwing boston out there and they play jason tatum sometimes at the four uh you can't expect carl towns to to be anything more than a liability defensively in that matchup so you're moving him back to the five in those situations and yeah you gave up some stuff to to get him look the the players they gave up are not they're not nothing i mean malik beasley was inconsistent but he was okay patrick beverly kind of the heart of that team last year jared vanderbilt was a big part of their front court rotation. So they gave up pieces to go and get this guy. Um, they added some guys. Kyle Anderson certainly uh, makes some sense uh, in that mix now as they're trying to form a playoff team. But um, I, I just wonder what they look like late in games and in the playoffs with those two guys, because I get the comparison with the Cavaliers, but I, you know, Mobley's the guy that makes the Cavaliers work. I mean, Jared yeah. Allen is excellent at defending the rim, but Mobley's the guy that makes that team work now.
5: Right. But, th- but those two, though, I was just gonna say, Just to quickly point this out, those two um, defensively are better because of their the the amount of ground they can cover, and especially of Mobley and the the mobility that he has. But neither of those guys are like Mobley is an evolving offensive player and can do some things with the ball in his hands for sure. Jared Allen is going to you know obviously puts up some numbers, he finishes a lot at the rim and everything else. But think about. How much more talented and diverse of an offensive game Carl Anthony Towns has, which is an element they don't have. So we're always playing this thing, right, where you gain defensively, yeah. lose offensively. It and and but you are right. Like I, I there is a concern that teams that are that are uh, talented enough and versatile enough to play small without giving up too much at the defensive end could run one of the Timberwolves bigs off the court at times or force them to make a choice, basically between Towns and Gobert. And now you're not getting the full benefit of these two guys who are both making a shitload of money. Here's my other thought when this trade went down I saw what the compensation
6: was and the position to put Minnesota in. Did we just see Minnesota kind of become the Chicago of 2 years ago? I mean remember what the Bulls did, you know a couple of years ago when they acquired Vucevic and they went out and they picked up DeMar DeRozan and you know they built this team, they signed Lonzo Ball. They built this team that you knew was going to be really good. But as you stack that team up against the other top tier teams in the conference, you wouldn't have picked them to win against any of those teams. You wouldn't have picked Chicago to beat Milwaukee, Miami, Philadelphia, Boston. Like they they were in that middle of the pack, maybe a little bit higher, and certainly Lonzo's injury last year killed them on both ends of the floor. Um, but that was a team that ha- had a ceiling and still has a ceiling, quite frankly, uh, did the Timberwolves just construct a team with a ceiling right now? And if they did, does it matter in Minnesota? Like, you just made the point, and we both talked about this, two playoff series wins in the franchise's history, uh, all happening in one year. Is it okay in Minnesota to be like the four seed every single year, win a first-round series, and get knocked out in the second round? Like, is that okay? And is that kind of what they're they're looking for at this point? Because... You know, Unless Anthony Edwards goes to a stratospheric level, which is certainly possible, he's a great player, but unless Edwards does that, I look at this team as being you know, a, a cut below the upper, upper echelon teams in the Western Conference, and I'm not sure with Gobert how they break past that.
5: Well, so the comparison to Chicago, I would just say the one difference is this. Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards is the difference, right? DeMar DeRozan is not getting any better, and Vooch is not getting any better. And even, you know, Zach Levine, I guess, could still improve, but he's several years older than Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards he kind of is, is what the, he is. Zach
6: Levine sort of is what yeah. he is right now. A good, really I'm good there. player, obviously. Max contract guy, but he is what he is.
5: Yeah. And then, look, he might improve um, in various areas, especially defensively over time. Like, he could still get better. I'm not going to put a, a ceiling on Zach Levine, but Anthony Edwards is doing what he's doing at age 20, soon to be 21 uh, in August, like, that's the difference. Like, the the reason there's no ceiling on, on them is because there's no ceiling on Anthony Edwards, and if there were a ceiling, he'd probably jump through it. Um, I think that that the Timberwolves, you're right in that this is putting them in a position to just be really, really good at, at, at minimum. I think there is possibility beyond that. Gobert is who he is. Towns is who he is. I don't expect anybody else to, to truly pop. I'm not sure what D'Angelo Russell's future with this franchise or if he has a future with this franchise even really is. But... Two elite offensive players in Edwards and Towns and an elite defensive player in Gobert, if you can figure out the front court stuff that we were alluding to. Um, But I think the standard has to be different for different teams, right? Like, if you're the Lakers, there's only one standard. You got to be contending for titles, period. There is no other standard. Um, For teams that haven't had any success, and especially this long of a drought, just being a perennial top four team for a three, four, five year stretch and having a chance at making a run is a huge improvement. And I think, you know, look, Chicago had had a, a, a really long drought before they decided to make the move for Vooch and then DeRozan and then Caruso and Ball and to patch patches together. And we all look at it and we go, ah, eh, well, they're good, but not great. No, they're never going to ma- knock off Milwaukee or Boston unless somebody's got some major injuries. And that'll be the position that Minnesota's in, in the short term, Chris. But um, let's talk about the less, the, the not quite short term Like we don't know how much longer the Warriors can draw this out. They're planning on dominating the next decade, and they just might. They might, but you know, there's there's some age and mileage issues with the Warriors. The Clippers, you know, have Kawhi coming back, but we got to see what he looks like when he comes back. They're gonna have some age and injury issues, as they often have. The Nuggets, you know, these are the teams I had said were still ahead of Minnesota definitively. They got some issues. The Suns, Chris Paul, assuming that they're that they're still at that level this coming season. We don't know if, if Aiton's back. And then Chris Paul's got age, serious age issues. Clock ticking very, very loudly on that career. I think th- th- there's no, nothing is permanent here. The Timberwolves can be rising as some of these teams are potentially eroding. And then the rest depends on what that, that other pack of teams that I mentioned in that second tier. Do the Grizzlies keep on this same trajectory? Well, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s out again with an injury. Can the Mavericks cont- continue on this trajectory? Well, they've got Luka, but they lost Jalen Brunson. They don't have a second star. What are the Pelicans going to become? There's enough like question marks in all of that that you say, well, uh, maybe the Timberwolves aren't in the Bulls' position. Maybe they've got a little bit more uh, ability to break through than that in the next well, couple I, of years. I think the big question as you look at the next couple of years
6: is how does Rudy Gobert age, right? He's, what, 30 sure. now? 30. and Look, he, he does have the skill set and the the body type that I think will allow him to age pretty well. Um, he's never been the most athletic guy. In fact, I go back to his time at the Combine when he was getting killed for his athletic measurements. That's why he slipped so far in the draft, partly anyway, because he wasn't super athletic. It turns out he didn't need to be because he's so good with his defensive instincts, his length, all the things that make him a perennial uh, Defensive Player of the Year uh, candidate. But can he be this effective at age 33, 34, 35 when Edwards presumably is entering kind of his prime, when Carl Anthony Towns is still in his prime? How good is he at that point? I think that's a question we we can't really answer. And and that will probably determine just how deep in the playoffs Minnesota goes in the years to come.
5: Yeah, um, and look, the back end of Gobert's contract, the current one, is, is brutal. He's going to be making up over $40 million and, and Oh, you look at him and Cat, what's it, $100 million between the two of them at some point? It's 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 crazy. And the fact is, look, most teams, you know, teams going to the finals and winning championships in, in recent years or in this era period are not heavily invested in the center position for the most part. Now, Embiid may change that at some point soon. Jokic may change that at some point soon. Those are two of the best players in the league. They're both centers. They're both fabulously talented and, and, and play both ends and deserve the max contracts that they're getting. But in general in this league, you're not having to invest a ton. At the center position, um, Mike Adams on, on Twitter posted this uh, a couple weeks ago. Starting centers and NBA champions. Um, th- these are the last. So going back to. Okay, so this is through the Warriors. Kavan Looney, <laughs> 5.2 million. Brooke Lopez, starting for the Bucks, of course, the year before, 12.7 million. Before that, Dwight Howard, 2.6 million while with the Lakers. Uh, Marcus Saul, 24 million when the Raptors won it. And so that's the high on this list. JaVale McGee, one and a half. Tristan Thompson, 14.3. Andrew Bogut, 12.9. Tiago Splitter, 10 million. Average salary of, during that span. And granted, salaries have, have risen during that span too, but it's still, it's a, it's a useful data point. The average salary for a starting center on a championship team was 9.3 million. And Rudy Gobert is going to be making three and four times that. I, I don't know... You, you, there's a lot of doubt around the league these days about whether you should invest that much in a center unless you have Embiid or Gobert and, or excuse me, Embiid or, or or Jokic. Gobert, phenomenal defensively, but there are limitations, especially offensively. And so like, could you get 80% of Gobert for 40% of the price, 50% of the price and spend the rest of that money elsewhere? The counter to that is, hey, look, <laughs> superstars and defensive players of the year are only available every so often. If you can get one Maybe you just go get one. Especially ones that are willing and eager to play in
6: Minnesota. I mean, quite frankly. <laughs> like, there aren't guys, a lot of guys out there willing to, to play in that market or eager to play in that market. Gobert seems to be at this point, so that's obviously a positive uh, for Minnesota as well. BP added more than $70
0: billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California And, starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investinginamerica.
3: Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but... Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, really get Creighton, you know, watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton.
2: 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
6: Terms apply. All right, let's talk about it from Utah's perspective. And look, this Gobert trade should not be surprising to anybody. Just like a Donovan Mitchell deal should not be surprising to anybody. I I have covered Danny Ainge for a long time. All of his time as an executive in Boston. If Danny Ainge doesn't believe he can win a championship, it's not worth competing at a medium level to him. And this Jazz team showed last season that they weren't able to compete for a championship. So, he found a team. He always finds these desperate teams, right? You know, back in, what was it, 2013, the Nets... They were desperate. They forked over all those draft picks in order to get their hands on Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, thinking they were the missing piece to a championship puzzle. Minnesota, clearly a little desperate to add talent around Towns and around uh, Anthony Edwards. They fork over the four first-round picks. Um, I don't know what Brooklyn was thinking, giving up a first round for Royce O'Neal, but that's a conversation for for a little bit later on uh, in the pod. But, like, Danny Ainge is not interested in being kind of average. He's not interested in being a middle of the pack team. He'd rather be a bottom feeding team and have a whole bunch of draft picks in his war chest than being a team that's just making the playoffs as a six seed and getting bounced on the first round. So we should have seen this coming from the decision to hire Will Hardy and give him a five-year contract to the decision to trade Royce O'Neal, a close friend of Donovan Mitchell and getting a first round pick back in return to trading Rudy Gobert. Now, All the reporters out there, Howard, right now, it's all saying the Jazz intend to retool around Donovan Mitchell. And I'm not doubting it. I'm sure that's what the reporters writing that are hearing. I don't believe that for one second. I don't. Like, what is the point of having Donovan Mitchell on your roster right now? Like, what is it? Like, Donovan Mitchell, unless you're trying so badly to have a representative in the 2023 All-Star game in Salt Lake City, there's really no reason to have Donovan Mitchell on your roster, this is not a playoff team next year. You just did the rankings of teams ahead of Minnesota. I can count 10 teams at least, maybe 11, that are better right now than the Utah Jazz. You look at the Jazz starting lineup at the moment. It's what? Mike Conley, back end of his career. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich is there. And then there's two other slots that I don't even know. Center and, and power forward. Like I don't know who's playing those positions at the moment. Pat, so Pat Beverly at center. Pat Beverly, <laughs> Pat Beverly becomes a free agent, he'll be a very interesting guy on the market if they buy him out. I'm, that's that's a different conversation, but I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens with Patrick Beverly. But you're not going anywhere if you're Utah. Yeah. So what Danny's going to do, and this is just from my experience in covering Danny, he's going to you know, sit there and tell people, now we're going to rebuild around Donovan Mitchell, and then he's going to wait for his phone to ring. And then he's going to tell whoever calls, here's what it's going to take to get him. And if you don't have it, he's not going to make the deal. But I believe... Howard that somebody's going to come along and make him that kind of sweetheart deal that he just got for Rudy Gobert. I mean, look, you've got Miami out there. the heat. You've got Jimmy Butler, couple of prime years left. Kyle Lowry, maybe a couple of good years left. You got to maximize them. They, I, I would argue they'd be willing to do Tyler hero and a whole bunch of first round picks and you know, cap filler to get a deal done. Uh, probably Duncan Robinson, New uh, New York, Still out there. With all the draft picks they acquired from Oklahoma City in that deal. We know the Knicks love Donovan Mitchell. They'd love to bring Donovan Mitchell to New York and put him in a backcourt with Jalen Brunson. It might be one of the worst defensive backcourts in the league, but they would love to ultimately do it. Phoenix, I think. If the Suns don't get Kevin Durant, Phoenix has the assets to go and make a trade. And, you know, they clearly, as Kevin Arnovitz wrote about in ESODESpan.com recently, like they don't value draft picks, so they'd be happy to send the Sun or send the Jazz as many uh draft picks as you as they possibly want. So maybe it's a Mikhail Bridges and something else and a whole bunch of draft picks in exchange for Donovan Mitchell. Look, I'm just saying, Howard, there are options for Donovan Mitchell. And I would be shocked if Danny Ainge doesn't take one of them. It may not happen this offseason. There's no rush. Mitchell's got three guaranteed years left in his contract. But I promise you, like and again, this is not from conversations I've had with people in Utah. This is just from covering Danny Ainge. He, this is how he operates. If you can't be really, if you can't be great, there's no sense in being good. You might as well break the whole team up. And Rudy Gobert was first, but Donovan Mitchell, I'm telling you, will not be far behind him.
5: Yeah, I, I jotted down a bunch of questions preparing for this pod about the Jazz. I had more questions than answers, but they're the questions that I think they're having to to face or the questions that we should be asking about them when we're trying to determine are they going to trade Donovan Mitchell and when? The first is, do they have a path to rebuild quickly and effectively around him? And I would say they do, right? If you wanted to take some of the pieces that they just brought in from the Gobert trade and redirect them, package them together to get veteran help, that's a possible path. Donovan Mitchell is good enough on his own that if you surround him with some, uh, some other veteran playoff-tested talent they could get back into this thing, right? Conceivably. Um, That's the first question. Do they have a path to rebuild quickly and effectively around Donovan Mitchell? But Howard, Um, let let me
6: answer that question for you real quick. Like, the Jazz have done nothing to add pieces. All they've done is subtract. And we're now, and and look, you can, you obviously, there's a ways to go in the postseason, plenty of players still out there, plenty of deals to still be made. But at this point, all they're doing is taking pieces away from that team. And I'm not sure I'm seeing a pathway for them to add something that puts them back into that mix.
5: Yeah. No, look, as you and I discussed last week, uh, before our buddy, Brian Windhurst's now legendary presentation on ESPN, we saw it coming too. When you trade Royce O'Neal for a pick, you're not trying to win in the present anymore. You're getting prepared to start the teardown and the Gobert deal, which came the next day after Wendy's legendary presentation on ESPN. Um, like that, that was it, right? Um, but it's only potentially steps one and two. You know, Royce O'Neal, a very small one, and Gobert, a very big one. I, listen, I'm with you. I'm, I'm trying to, to make the case in the other direction just for the sake of argument because I think it's interesting to think about. Mitchell's young enough and good enough that you could try to rebuild around him on the fly. But it leads me to my other question, which is, how much patience does he have? Like, there were already rumblings of him potentially wanting out. There's all obviously been, been rumblings for a long time about his ties to New York and his desire to play in New York. Um, so if you're, if you're Danny Ainge and your decision has been, I'm going to trade Gobert, I'm going to trade Royce O'Neal, but we're just restructuring, right? We're just, we're tearing it down. Mitchell is our North star and that'll be the guy we rebuild around and let's just, you know, unclutter the place, get a bunch of draft picks and everything. And then let's see what we can, you know, get, get in, in exchange for some of that. We'll redirect some of these resources. That is a plausible path forward. If you think that Donovan Mitchell can be your franchise star for the foreseeable future and build around him. And if he has the patience for it, because if at some point he doesn't, we're seeing once again in in Brooklyn, if stars are out, they're out. And they say it's time to go. Mitchell may not have the kind of stature or pull that Durant does, but still, if a guy comes to you and says, I want out and they're your all-star, you usually have to heed that. So all that said, I think the path back to being top four is really tough. I don't know if... I don't know. I don't know if it's worth the trouble to do what I was just outlining, which is repackage some of these picks and players. You know, Pat Beverly's got value around the league. Mike Conley has value around the league. There, there are teams that could definitely use these steady defensive-minded point guards. Um, different, different factors with those guys, but still, they, you can get stuff for them. You could get stuff for the picks. You could get stuff for you know Jared Vanderbilt, whatever. But the top, path top back to top four immediately is tough, and if it's going to take a while anyway a couple of years to be in that mix again you probably should just be trading Donovan Mitchell and getting another boatload of stuff for him that's what i would do easy for me to say i'm not the one hosting the all-star game next year without you know an all-star in the game but i like if that's a factor that should not be yeah. a factor like that, that that's stupid we heard this with Cleveland too before we've heard this with other teams Look, the LA held an All Star game a few years back when they had there were no Lakers and no Clippers in the All Star game, if I recall. the Last time LA had it, and that w- that was a talking point at the time. Who cares? It doesn't yeah. matter. Um, and by the way, if Danny Ainge can get five players and four first round picks for Gobert, like what can he get for Donovan Mitchell? Like I, I, I think like they're different commodities. But Mitchell's younger. He, he plays a really important position. He's a he's a, an offensive creator. Um, and by the way, in the background of all this, when we talk about a potential Mitchell trade and pulling the plug entirely, we got to throw them into the Victor Wimbunyama, uh conversation along with the Spurs, right? Like, tanking doesn't guarantee anything, just, you know, the top three or the bottom three teams all have the same odds. But hell, if you've got those kind of odds, the 14 point whatever percent to get the number one pick with a, a transcendent generational player like like Wembanyama on the board, you know, maybe it's worth... The teardown. This is the opportune time to do it.
6: Yeah, I, I don't think you can get... You can't get into that mix with Donovan Mitchell on the roster. He's too good. No. Like, he's going to make you too competitive, and you'll be bad enough not to make the playoffs, but not bad enough to finish in that bottom three slot in the, in the lottery. Um, he, I, if I had to predict anything, it's that Mitchell is on the roster to start the season, and then you wait. You mm. wait and see what happens over in the Eastern Conference. You wait and see if Miami feels like they're one player away, a Donovan Mitchell away, and is willing to make you a godfather offer. You wait to see if New York like sees themselves getting better but realizes you can't win with Evan Fournier still playing a significant role in your backcourt, uh, and they make a play for Donovan Mitchell. Like That's the one thing about Danny. like He won't do a deal unless he's getting exactly what he wants. Like, exactly. And he got exactly what he wanted for Rudy Gobert. Maybe not. I mean, I, I kept reading about how... Um, who was it that, with the Timberwolves that he wanted? Uh, I'm blanking right now. I'm just oh, uh, Jaden McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels. He didn't get Jaden McDaniels, but he got what is effectively five first-round picks when you consider he got uh, Walker Kessler in the deal. So he got five first-round picks out of uh, a Rudy Gobert uh, swap. I think he would be able to get that for, um, for Donovan Mitchell. I think somebody out there, whether it's Phoenix... Miami, New York, a mystery team. Someone is going to give him a good young player and five first round draft picks. Phoenix, you know, it, it, they've, they've got bridges to, to hand over plus draft picks. Tyler Hero in Miami. I don't think New York would trade RJ Barrett, but maybe just take Julius Randle as a salary match and then take the five first round draft picks as well. Maybe add a pick swap in there too to sweeten the pot, but somebody's going to do it, Howard. I'm telling you, somebody Somebody is going to do it and give him what he wants. There's too many, there's too many teams with interest and there's too, there's too many teams that will be willing to pony up something close to that.
5: So I agree. Someone's going to do it. I think actually it probably will happen sooner than later. I I think this is an off season move. I don't think this is a trade that's going to happen. I don't think we're going to have to wait for the season to arrive. I think that bidding is already starting. I think Danny Ainge is probably quietly, you know, getting uh, a feel for the market as we speak. Um, and I think they could get a lot for Donovan Mitchell and you might as well, you've already taken step one toward this rebuild. You might as well go all in on it. I do wonder because he's been tied to the Knicks more than anybody, Donovan Mitchell. You just signed Malcolm, you just signed, uh, Jalen Brunson. We're going to get to Brogdon later. You just signed Jalen Brunson for a pretty decent amount of money, 104 million to be the point guard that you've been waiting on forever. Does it make sense to go on an all-in trade for Donovan Mitchell when, granted, Mitchell, eh, he's, is he an off-guard? Is he a ball-handling off-guard? Is he a point guard? Is he what a, his best role might be to be your primary ball-handler. Now you just got one. And, by the way, Brunson came in part, at least, because, all the family ties aside, he wanted to have his own show to run instead of being sidekick to Doncic. Does it make sense to give up a ton of your assets and a lot of salary cap room to go get Donovan Mitchell to now have, as you alluded to earlier, potentially pretty lousy defensive backcourt. Like, Brunson's a good defender, but Mitchell is not, and they're going to be an undersized backcourt. Now you've got yourself some version of the the Lillard-McCollum kind of backcourt where you're always at a disadvantage in terms of size and defensively.
6: I would would push back, too, on Brunson
5: being a good defender. I don't think he's a good defender at all. I think Dallas Dallas hit him a lot last year, especially in the playoffs. Let's call him average at best and Donovan Mitchell a minus. How is that pushing the Knicks forward? I mean, I know we love... Flashy star players, and I know at the Garden, Donovan Mitchell would be worshipped like a god, especially given how long it's been since they've had somebody like him to to get behind. I don't know that it makes any sense. This 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 would strike me as grabbing names for this, just for the sake of grabbing names, which has been the Knicks' worst habit for twenty years going. I, I don't think like I liked the Brunson signing. I and I liked Donovan Mitchell well enough. I don't necessarily like the idea of Mitchell and Brunson together. I think that would be. I don't want to say necessarily a mistake, but I think it's a tough fit and you're putting yourself at disadvantage in other places. You may be taking yourself out of the running for the next star who might be a better fitting star uh, with with Brunson. I don't know. I, I have doubts about that being the best path forward for the Knicks.
6: Well, also consider that Donovan Mitchell is represented by CAA. The Knicks are run by the former head of basketball, at CAA, That's a variable in all this. You know, for all the things you talk about, the family ties, Jalen Brunson, Leon Rose was his former agent. You know, Leon Rose ran CAA basketball. I think yep. there's that's a connection that can't be overlooked uh, as well.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and...
2: 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
6: Terms apply. All right, let's turn to Kevin Durant. And we are now, what are we, day five, day six of the Kevin Durant trade talks. But I want to take this a different way, Howard. At what point are we going to have the discussion about the Nets holding on to Durant, about going into training camp with Durant on the roster? Because, look, there are obviously places to trade Kevin Durant. You can get big things for Kevin Durant. But I look at the landscape, and I'm wondering, where are the real suitors? Like, Phoenix, they can be a real suitor here, because they can, theoretically, send you DeAndre Ayton, they can send Mikhail Bridges and they could send a whole treasure trove of, ca- of draft picks. They can do that. And that's a pretty good package to get. Aiton is a budding star at the center position that for some reason Phoenix doesn't want anymore or doesn't want to pay, which that's another conversation. I'm not really sure exactly what, why Phoenix won't pay DeAndre Ayton, but whatever. Uh, Bridges, great defensive player, another starter you can plug into your front court. All the draft picks you get back uh, as well. Toronto, real option for Kevin Durant. Pascal Siakam can be traded there. OG Ananobi can be traded there. Draft picks, all that stuff. Don't know if Durant would want to play there, but that's a real option. Outside of that, I'm having a hard time coming up with a team that would be willing to go all-in for Kevin Durant. Meanwhile, Brooklyn's out there acting like their starting five is coming back. Like, they bring back Nick Claxton and Patty Mills, two really good role players, They trade for Royce O'Neal. They just signed TJ Warren. Like, they're operating Howard like a team that plans to go into the season with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant there. And I'll be honest, like, I looked at the depth chart before we started the pod. I'm like, it's a pretty damn good depth chart. Like, you need some help (laughs) in the front court, more athleticism, but it's not bad. That's not a bad team where you look at them on paper, you'd say, all right, that's a team that should compete for a top seed in the Eastern Conference. So are you at the point, are you starting to wonder, like, Is the best move not to just bring Kevin Durant back? I mean, he's got four years left of his contract. And I'll be honest, Howard, I don't see Kevin Durant pulling a Ben Simmons. Kevin Durant's a hooper, Matt. Like, he wants to play. He's not going to sit out. So you you tell Kevin Durant you can't find a trade for him, he's not going to be like, screw it, I'm not going to play. He's showing up. And when he gets out on the floor, he plays to the best of his ability. Kyrie, that's another story. I don't know how he'd operate. But are we now reaching the point? Are we getting close to the point in your mind? where it's time to start seriously talking about Durant and Kyrie being back in Brooklyn?
5: I'm going to say no, but only because I don't think there's any way at all that Kyrie is back. I think, you know, I know everybody is so wrapped up in the Durant-Kyrie friendship and all this stuff. And yes, part of Kevin Durant's disillusionment with the Nets has to do with the way that they've treated Kyrie. But it also has to do with the way that last season went, which was uh, kind of Kyrie's fault, um, largely. So there's a weird contradiction in Kevin Durant's own reaction to everything and the, and the factors that led to his trade request. However, if they trade them both, they're not going to be together anyway. Like that, That partnership is done. It's getting broken up. They're not both getting traded to the Lakers, folks. I got news for you. Not happening. Not happening anywhere else either. They're going to get broken up. That's a given. Second given, the Nets with Kyrie on a one-year deal – when they're not sure they really want to have him at all, like you could tolerate him on a one-year deal if you didn't already go through everything you just did. But the guy basically thumbed his nose at you, didn't want any any of your multi-year extension offers, threatened to go to free agency. You know what he's put you through over the last couple of years. Why would you possibly still want him? I think Kyrie to the Lakers is an inevitability. I think the only reason it hasn't happened already is because they're trying to figure out the Kevin Durant part as well at the same time. And, and while those things may not be related in terms of the same transaction, they have an, an impact on each other. And besides that, they certainly don't want Russell Westbrook because Westbrook and Ben Simmons make zero sense together. Westbrook makes zero sense for the Nets, period, even if West, even if Simmons weren't there. So you, you're trying to find a way to, to create a multi-team deal that sends Westbrook somewhere else, but gets Kyrie to the Lakers and gets the Nets some decent compensation. If that happens, if that happened tomorrow, and Chris, you wanted them to make the case. Kevin Durant plus all the guys you just mentioned, plus whatever they just got back for Kyrie, even if it were just you know picks and some filler, I'd say it's still a pretty good team with with a lot of upside because it's got Kevin Durant on it, and Ben Simmons can can return to what he was a couple years ago potentially. So I, I don't. It's not implausible, and the Nets have never said anything publicly. And, and probably won't because it's not the way they operate. About Kevin Durant wanting out, yeah. could they hold on to him? Sure. Um, is there a price to pay? Like it could be awkward, it could be uncomfortable. But he is under contract for four years, and I absolutely 100% agree with you on this. He's not Ben Simmons. He's not holding out. He's not not only because it's, it's it's a money sacrifice. Ben Simmons sacrificed millions of dollars, but Kevin Durant's 34 years old in September. He cannot afford to burn any part of his career. He may not be happy, so that may not still be the best outcome for the Nets to have an unhappy Kevin Durant who really wants to be somewhere else and every single day of the season from training camp on is going to have to be answering questions from knuckleheads like us about Thought you didn't want to be here. How you feel about it now? Are you feeling any better? Are, 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 you guys won a few games. Are you starting to feel better about the situation? Where would you like to be traded? Do you still want like that will be hanging per- perfectly over? Perfectly
6: the- legitimate questions though, too. Like yes. perfectly legitimate questions. Like I mean, yes, of course they if you are. don't if you don't want the questions, don't attach, you know, your name <laughs> or Rich Kleiman's name to sourcing. There. Yes. Like, don't I yeah. mean, that's the way it goes. It, it,
5: Right, and and if he wanted to tamp it down, he 's got all the avenues in the world from his podcast to his Twitter that he 's active on to all of his several burners like he could he could push back if he wanted to he 's not pushing back because he does want out and he's, and he has to deal with the consequences of that if he 's still here in the fall, which is to answer questions about it it 's all fair i 'm just saying that's something that they 're going to have to deal with if he 's still on the books, um, but I agree he 's He's a hooper. The dude loves to ball. He is not going to burn even a few weeks, much less a season of his career, the way that Ben Simmons did. And I'm not saying that means that Ben Simmons doesn't love basketball. He clearly doesn't love it as much as Kevin Durant does, though. So I still think the likelihood is a trade, Chris. But there's no urgency for Sean Marks and the Nets to do it is today, there, tomorrow, there, or this month.
6: You say there's no urgency, and I don't disagree with you from their perspective because there's four years left of this contract. At some point, DeAndre Ayton has to sign somewhere right? Like at some point he's going to have to sign a contract and whether it's a max somewhere else or a close to max or even the qualifying offer. I've I've heard that speculated about uh, in league circles recently, whether Deandre signs the qualifying offer to unrestricted at the end of next year, he'd be sacrificing a lot of money if he did that, but that's still an option for him. Like at some point he's going to have to sign and, Like, I don't know how willing and eager he is to do the Suns any favors, right? Like, as long as it looks like it's going to work out financially for DeAndre Ayton, I'm sure he's going to wait. But at some point, he's going to say, look, all right, maybe it's Indiana that makes me an offer. All of a sudden, the Pacers have a boatload of cap space. They might be in the tanking sweepstakes as well, but they could bring DeAndre Ayton in to be their starting center. Um, Maybe it's another team that's out there at this point. I don't know. But at some point Deandre Ayton has got to figure out where he's going to play basketball next year. And that's the only reason I think that this has to come to some kind of resolution in the next week to 10 days because Yes.
5: Yes. You no, see what I'm, I'm saying? sorry to cut like, you off. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, if Deandre Ayton is truly a potential uh massive building block in a Kevin Durant trade, then yes, right? If Kevin Durant is going to the Suns and DeAndre Ayton is being signed and traded to the, to the Nets or signed and traded I mean, it'd somewhere. It'd have to be,
6: right? Like, he'd have to be because, like, you're not getting Devin Booker and Mikael Bridges alone doesn't get it done.
5: All right, right, but, right, but maybe the Nets don't want, it, don't want DeAndre Ayton and maybe you're needing to have him signed and traded to a third team and somebody else is then sending the Nets the stuff that they actually want, right? So there's that potential uh, aspect of it. There's the possibility that DeAndre Ayton maybe doesn't want to play in Brooklyn and maybe wants to sign and trade somewhere else. Or maybe the Suns have come around to decide that they want to keep him. And if the Nets have said, we don't want an Aiton-centered trade, and we can't figure out a way to create a multi-team trade that gets Durant to the Suns, well, then the Suns may eventually say, well, I guess we're not in the Durant sweepstakes after all. Let's just bring Aiton back and run back our team. Like That's a possibility, too. I agree that having Aiton as a, as a potential chip, a potential building block of a trade in a sign-in trade, is there and the clock is ticking because eventually he has to decide his future. And so do the sons. But if Aiton's off the market, all right. So the nets find other configurations out there. I I still think like from their standpoint, forget what the, what, what Durant wants for a minute. If I'm the nets, that the two teams I'm talking the most to are probably the Raptors and Pelicans, because I like the configurations I can get and the players I can get from them while they still have enough left in reserve to put around Durant once he arrives. So you know, I don't think this is some all or nothing Suns scenario, or all or nothing DeAndre Aiton sign and trade scenario. There are other you know possibilities out there.
6: Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, look, if I'm the Pelicans, do I do Brandon Ingram and a bunch of draft picks for Kevin Durant? Maybe you know, Ingram's always been kind of pegged as that you know, poor man's Durant for lack of a better phrase. Um, Durant. Esque type of player, Um, it depends on how many draft picks I guess would have to go. I, I don't know that Toronto puts Scottie Barnes in a Durant deal. It may sound crazy, but I mean Scottie Barnes is what twenty years old, like with h- such a huge upside. Like I, I don't yeah. know if I do that. Like to me, if I'm the Raptors, it's Siakam Ananobian and picks. That might be where I where I stop. Um, you and know, I, would I do I'm that
5: sure, <laughs> if I'm the Nets. If you're Brooklyn, I'm asking yeah. for Barnes first, but I, I would do Siakam Ananobian and picks.
6: Uh, it's it's a pretty good deal. It's a pretty good deal. If, if you believe Siakam is back to being the player he you know was during their their championship years, he had some uneven years in between there. Um, I've I've heard as I'm sure you have too. Kind of this whole you know are the Jazz involved in all this? Could they take on Aiton? Could Donovan Mitchell be rerouted to right uh, to Brooklyn? Um, the right. problem with that is you yeah. you can't have Mitchell and Ben Simmons on the same roster. You know two guys you know acquired. Then you're moving Ben. Then you're case. moving Ben Simmons, <laughs> which I, which I don't think Brooklyn wants to do because you're not going to get the kind of value you trade James Harden for him. Like you, you've got to at some point you've got to rehabilitate Ben Simmons, the well, basketball player, and get him out but there. But they the also floor.
5: so if you do trade him, you can have something. I, I would just say when they traded Harden for Simmons, they got Simmons and Seth Curry and and Drummond whatever and all the picks right. So if you reroute Simmons now. You still ended up with, you've got a bunch of Sixers picks to help recoup what you lost in in the first Harden trade. You've still got Seth Curry to to, to show for it. I'm not saying that's enough payoff for Simmons. But, if Simmons is going out in some multi-team deal, you're getting something for him. It may not be full value, but that's the thing. If you're trading Ben Simmons one-on-one, like, Ben Simmons hasn't played in a year, over a year. If you traded him straight up to some team right now, you're getting diminished value because he hasn't played in a year plus. If he's involved in a multi-three, four- Five team complicated deal where Mitchell's going somewhere, Ayton's going somewhere, Durant's going somewhere, whatever. You've got the possibility from pulling from multiple teams that you might actually end up getting more than if you were just a one-on-one trade where the other team has to factor in this is now the my be-all and end all, and how much of my stuff can I send out to get him, right? Like I don't know if that makes sense to you. It's a lot, but like there's a possibility, I think, of trading Ben Simmons in a multi-team, multiplayer massive deal that gets you a better return than a one-to-one trade with one team.
6: Yeah, I think that's that's possible. I, I just I don't know what the market is for Ben Simmons at this point, at least not in terms of getting back it's the hard kind to the value you sent out.
0: BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the US economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or
2: 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com/slash-with-amex. Terms
6: apply. Let's let's involve Boston this for a second. It's a way to finish with the Celtics. The Celtics went out, had a pretty good week. You know, they acquire Malcolm Brogdon uh, from Indiana. All oh, they really gave up was a first-round pick. They signed Danilo Gallinari, who's somebody they've been after for like a decade. I feel like they've been constantly pursuing Danilo Gallinari in Boston. They finally get him. Uh, So now the Celtics kind of go 10 deep with their rotation. And look, it's being hailed as this great offseason. And on paper, it is. uh, But Brogdon's had some health issues in the past. He played only 36 games last year for the Pacers. Never played more than 56 in his three years in Indiana. Uh, And I do think you have to factor in Having 10 guys is great, but all 10 guys are going to want to play. And I wonder how the chemistry is going to come together with the Celtics. Now, Boston, they leaked it to Adam Himmelsbach of the Globe that Marcus Smart is still the starting point guard of this team. But how does Smart react to having another starting point guard on the roster uh, in Brogdon? How does Brogdon respond to being put maybe into a sixth-man role once again, something he hasn't been in since his days in Milwaukee? I don't think it's as seamless a fit. You know, is another story. I think Gallinari was really brought in as Al Horford insurance. Like, you know, Al's 36. Uh, you don't want to be playing Al Horford 30, 35 minutes a night for 70 games during the season. You want to give him some rest. Gallinari's the type of guy you could plug into that Al Horford spot in the regular season and give him a break. But, you know, Brogdon's the guy that I wonder how he fits in with this team. So, two questions for you. One, what did you make of the moves Boston made? And two... Is Boston in your mind still in play for Kevin Durant? Because the Celtics, all of a sudden, all have a whole bunch of guys that would be of interest to uh, to Brooklyn. Obviously, it would start with Jalen Brown, who would probably be the centerpiece of any deal. But when they made the trade for Malcolm Brogdon, one of the first things in my mind was, "All right, did this just make Marcus Smart? I don't want to call him expendable. Did this? But did this just make Marcus Smart a potential piece in a deal?" For Kevin Durant because then suddenly you're dealing Jalen Brown you're dealing the reigning defensive player of the year both guys are under the age of 30 smart I believe is 28 Brown's 25 uh, you got a bunch of draft picks coming back your way Brad Stevens seems determined to never draft ever again so like do you do you deal does it has had the Celtics become more of a player in this
5: uh, in your mind I think adding Brogdon means they can be in a way that maybe they wouldn't have wanted to contemplate before that, because yes, it makes it easier. I'm not saying easy, but easier to part with Marcus Smart. And a Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and picks offer looks really attractive, I think, if you're the Nets. That's up there with any, any that's of the best better deals.
6: That's better than the Toronto one, I think. I think Smart and Brown are better than Siakam and Angino. It's now sound like perk.
5: <laughs> <laughs> OG don't, Ananobi don't, Just don't bring Moses Moody into this. um Yeah. Well, look, but all right, but yes, but that said, if I'm dealing with Toronto, I'm still trying to get Scotty Barnes. I haven't given up on Scotty Barnes and like Barnes is the guy because of his age and skill set. Agreed. Like that's he beats almost anybody in a a potential trade, Uh, but we don't know what the Raptors are or are not willing to ultimately put into a trade. And we are not in these rooms when these discussions happen. Where is the breaking point? When you say the guy's off limits? When is when is he truly off limits? Where you know when do you finally say? Especially if you're Masayo Jiri, who pushed his chips in to get Kawhi Leonard. This is a little different, but still, we know he is willing to take the um, the short term route and say, you know what? It's all about today. Win now. Win when you can. But Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and stuff picks whatever is is. That's damn persuasive if you're the Nets. And getting Brogdon makes it possible. Now, Brogdon doesn't play full seasons. Brogdon is constantly hurt. We know that's the story of his career. But he's really good. He's a great defender. Really smart guy. A leader. B- brings you a lot of what smart does, except he also has much more of an offensive game, I would argue. Um, but he's got some miles on him, and he's got the injury history. <sighs> I don't know if the Celtics are truly in this thing, right? Like this is more, this, is, this isn't this is a matter of whether the Celtics can get it done and have the goods to get it done. They clearly do, as we've just discussed. Do they want to? Do they want to blow up midstream or, you know, dramatically reconfigure midstream a team that just made the finals and was a couple wins away from, from winning a championship? Or do they want to just roll with who they've got? I would always argue in favor of, you know, doing what Masai Ujiri did. Like, close isn't good enough. Sometimes you just got to say, screw it. If you can get Kevin Durant, do it. The counter to that is Kevin Durant's about to turn 34 and is three years removed from an Achilles rupture that happened in Toronto, um, of course. Um, And if you're Boston, if you're Toronto, if you're anybody else, you're not acquiring an in-his-prime Kawhi Leonard this time. You're you're acquiring a a 34-year-old post-Achilles surgery Kevin Durant who has played 90 out of a potential 154 games or whatever it is over the last couple of years. So I think that's a complicated, rambling answer, but um, take Kevin Durant trades away from this for a minute. Just what the Celtics have added in Brogdon and Gallinari, they are one of the winners of the offseason easily. And if you don't like the Gobert trade, then I think Boston is probably the winner or the leader in terms of winners of the offseason pending a Durant deal. Uh, Brogdon addresses something that you and I have discussed at length. They needed more playmaking. They needed a sure-handed point guard. And by the way, I would start him, as you know, and push Smart to the to the two. No, and, No. Right, hold no. on. Let me just say this. All right, let me ask you this. Mr. Marcus Smart should be your full time point guard, even if they're just coughing up turnovers left and right throughout the, the entire finals. It wasn't if him want, committing them. Who is running the offense at the end of games now that they have Malcolm Brockton? Uh I think it depends. Who's playing the best? So Marcus Smart moment? might be starting games, and Brogdon's a sixth man. But when you're finishing games, Brogdon's going to be on the court. I got okay, news for you. That's Brogdon's going to be that's on the fine, court.
6: But you you cannot replace Marcus Smart a year after he point guarded your team, making that a verb. Point guarded your team to the finals and one defensive player of the year. And look, Ime Odoka's a loyal guy. He's not. He's not pulling Marcus Smart out of that starting lineup. He's fine, not. but now, Malcolm could Brogdon, Brogdon finish is there. games? he's there and is is absolutely a weapon to have coming off the bench and Brogdon has come off the bench successfully you know his days in Milwaukee very good reserve that's how he earned that new deal uh with Indiana but Marcus Smart's your starting point guard you don't need to replace Marcus smart Howard. you don't have to do it now just you uh, you can, let me you can put, say that
5: all right,
6: fine. I, I can and I'm right but <laughs> the two teams out there that have a realistic chance of landing Kevin Durant that should go all in are the Phoenix Suns and are the Boston Celtics. The Suns, for reasons we talked about, Chris Paul is on the older side. How many years does he have left? you got to maximize that, right? You know, and the Suns, they didn't look quite as fearsome last year in the playoffs and took a pretty good beating publicly from Patrick Beverly and others uh, after uh, the season ended. So if you have a chance to get Kevin Durant, you got to put your chips in and go out there and get him. The Celtics don't have to push their chips in, but if all it takes is Jalen Brown, some salary filler, and three draft picks... Got to do it. Like, I'm a huge Jalen Brown fan. There aren't five guys in this league I would trade Jalen Brown for. Kevin Durant's one of them. Kevin Durant on the Celtics with that group, they're the favorites. They're the favorites by maybe a good amount at this point because you mentioned the problems they have in the finals, you know, ball handling, playmaking, all that. A lot of those problems go away when you can give the ball to Kevin Durant and say, go make a play. And on the other side of the floor, you can give the ball to Jason Tatum and say, go make a play. When you have two guys that can score at the highest level, you're going to, to, you're going to resolve a lot of those playmaking issues. So if it's just Jalen Brown, salary filler, and a whole bunch of draft picks, which may ultimately be enough to get it done, you got to do it if you're the Celtics. you got to. You can't be yeah. sentimental about this. you got to do it. It's Kevin freaking Durant.
5: If if, it, if if I'm running the Celtics, I'm not thinking in sentimental terms at all. And the best front offices do not let sentimentality affect transactions like this, right? Ainge could be as cold-blooded as, as they come and to his credit and to his success. Same with Masai Ujiri. You cannot allow sentiment to creep in. So I would not hesitate from the Celtics standpoint on a sentimental standpoint. I would on two other potential factors. One is... This, this young group just broke through, and it's not that I'm sentimentally attached to them. It's just that I think they've got a long runway because of their ages. A runway that becomes shorter when you flip a younger Jalen Brown for an older Kevin Durant. The second consideration, the second hesitation is that it's, that it is post Achilles surgery Kevin Durant. Like we I've, you know, we've tried out these numbers every time, but he played 55 out of 82 this past season and 35 out of 72 the prior season. His two first seasons back from the Achilles have not been anywhere close to 100% of games, and, and, and he won't be. That is what happens when you have Achilles surgery. Yes, he plays in an MVP level when he plays, but he's going to miss a lot of games. He's gonna There's going to be a hamstring or a knee or an ankle or a calf. Something is going to happen because of the miles and the age and the fact he's post-Achilles surgery. And you have to factor that in. You don't know what your runway is with him, and you don't know how many games in a season he might miss. I'd probably do it anyway, because the allure of a Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Robert Williams front court, and whatever else they have left after this oh. deal is, is going to be phenomenal, unguardable, defensively just menacing. Kevin Durant do- is
6: still a very good defender, too. Uh, yes. You don't miss a beat with Kevin Durant out there defensively. He was... He might have been the next best defensive player in the playoffs last year. Like, he's still really good on that end of the floor. So it's it would be a seamless transition. One last thing I want to hit you with because you brought this up. Um, you seem to think it's a foregone conclusion that Kyrie Irving winds up with the Lakers. I'm not so sure because unless L.A. is willing to take on Joe Harris's contract and give up a first-round pick, I wouldn't do the deal with them. Like, you can't swap, if you're Brooklyn, Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook straight up. Like... The Nets, the Lakers would do it in a heartbeat because not only do they get Kyrie Irving, but they get a whole bunch of luxury tax relief because the the contracts are Kyrie's contracts significantly smaller than Russell Westbrook's. I think it's forty-seven versus thirty-six million or something like that. Um, So unless the Lakers take on Joe Harris and the last, I think, two years left in his contract and give up an unprotected first-round pick, I wouldn't do the deal. And the Lakers look—they are a marquee, big-market franchise but they are family owned. And you and I both know they count their pennies over there. They Money matters to them. Where with Steve Ballmer, it doesn't matter. Like He'll, ta- he'll pay a luxury tax bill north of $300 million if he has to. If it means he's winning, he's going to pay that luxury tax bill. The Lakers will not do that. We know they won't do that because they didn't pay the money to bring back Alex Caruso a year ago. So if they're not going to pay the luxury tax penalty of Alex Caruso... I don't believe they're going to be willing to take on Joe Harris and pay a bigger penalty just to get their hands on Kyrie Irving. So I have, I'm skeptical that a Laker deal happens with Kyrie Irving.
5: It's going to happen because it's the only thing that can happen. The Nets are not going to keep him, and nobody else wants him.
6: You don't think the Mavericks would
5: be interested at some point? Maybe. They haven't the done team anything. team that's most des- They miss des- Goran. The that- they miss Goran. All right. The team that wants him most, the team that's most desperate, to make a move and to make a move for Kevin or for Kyrie Irving is the Lakers LeBron wants him there we've seen that reported you know everywhere uh they can't like they, they can' go into another season with Russell Westbrook, but Kyrie would be a massive upgrade over Westbrook and that's why they want him They know this they know that and that's why they want him and they know that that's the only path to getting him is, is trading Westbrook. maybe that's a three team deal because the Nets have no use and no need for for Westbrook, and I wouldn't want him. If I'm the Nets, I'm not looking to acquire Westbrook in this deal. I don't need to trade one headache for another one, not to mention a really ill-fitting one. But at some point, the Lakers, because they're desperate and because they need to do something, LeBron cannot stay at this level forever. They've got to act now. Nobody else is available. Nobody else of consequence is available. Kyrie is. And if you could trade Westbrook and attach Whether it's one pick, whether it's two future picks, whatever the protections, no protections, take back bad salary along with Kyrie, whatever it has to be, the Lakers are ultimately going to do it because they have no leverage, the desperation factor is high, and that's how you know that he's going to end up there. The Mavericks might want Kyrie, but they're not nearly as desperate, and I don't think have anything all that great to trade for him. Um, Bring back Spencer. Bring
6: back Spencer Dinwiddie. Bring them home I wouldn't, Howard.
5: I mean, it's it's not the it's not the worst thing in the world, but I'm not sure what the Nets. Well, it, it's fine. Um, the, the the Mavericks could do it. I just don't think they're as desperate to do it as the Lakers are. And Westbrook for Kyrie just makes too much sense. The the Nets will extract the picks, probably you know, with light protections of some sort. Because again, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> like, are you gonna waste another year of LeBron's career with Westbrook sitting there, unable to shoot, unable to defend? Weighing them down, like I, they're going nowhere with, without a move. I think it's the only place he could end up, um, and I and I do think it's inevitable. I think right now is we're in the posturing part of the game. We're also in the part of the game where the Nets are trying to figure out how that move might affect the Kevin Durant move, or whether they could they offload Kyrie and then eventually, you know, have a meeting of the minds again with Kevin Durant and convince him to stay, based on what they got back. Kyrie and again it's not going to be Westbrook like Westbrook will either if he if it's a one-to-one trade it's Westbrook getting bought out if it's a multi-team trade then Westbrook is landing somewhere else and the Nets are getting other other assets and we are back to the
6: uh discussion of what can you get for Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn which was the (laughs) conversation all last year look I, I think we're on the same page on that I just don't believe that the Lakers ultimately will take on the kind of salary the Nets want them to take on. Nor am I sure that Rob Polenka, who has forfeited, well, actually Magic Johnson did it, but who, the Lakers who have forfeited a whole bunch of draft capital in the years to come in the Anthony Davis trade, but willing to fork over more. At this point, especially when that draft capital is so far down the line it's 2027 when that first pick uh, comes comes a call so that they can deal so
5: Rob Polik is walking in the room with LeBron and saying, ah, LeBron, you know I, I know this might be the last year of your career, the last couple of years of your career, and I know you think Kyrie could really help you and you want a championship with him, but eh you know, I just don't want to spend that draft pick in 2028. Sorry,
6: I might say to that's LeBron, a- extend extend your contract, and I'll do it like well, maybe maybe that that that's got to be part of this too. That's got to be part sure. of it, too. LeBron's got, what, two that, years left on his deal? They don't want to give up draft capital in 2027 and then be rebuilding in 2027 with nothing right. to but that's, show for But it.
5: see, I, I, I will say, as I said at the time, I thought the Cavs made a mistake. I know LeBron did leave, but they were sitting there saying, we're never trading this golden ticket that we have, this Nets pick, which ended up being the eighth pick, which ended up being Colin Sexton, who's a fine player. But um, you you cannot, in this league, when you have a player of LeBron's caliber, of Kevin Durant's caliber, of... Steph Curry's cal You cannot play the game of we're going to worry about who we are in 2028 and our picks in 2028. It's about now. It's about winning championships now. The window is always shorter than you think it's going to be. The Bucs did the right thing, sending out all those picks for Drew Holiday. This is the way you do it. Um, if, if, you, if you have to send out two future picks, a few of the Lakers, to make sure that the last years of LeBron's career are meaningful and have the possibility of championship contention, then you do it. Screw it.
6: And, by the way, to your point about the Bucs, I think they made that trade before Giannis agreed to the extension, so they didn't know what yeah, the about future Giannis weeks. would be either. Yeah, so no, they probably they had did, some idea that yeah, probably yeah, an idea. Yeah, they, they probably,
5: probably signaled, "Look, guys, get this done, and that'll be the linchpin to me recommitting because I know that we're all in." But you know, but that that's what you have to do. That's the obligation. Yeah. You these windows are never as long as you think they're going to be, and in the Lakers' case, you know it's not going to be long because LeBron is starting his twentieth season.
6: Kyrie and LeBron. Reunited. That'd be worth going to a lot of Laker games for. uh, That's for sure. Howard, we will do it again next week when I'm sure nothing will have changed
5: in the next seven days. (laughs) (laughs) Always a pleasure, my friend.
4: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
2: Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m. Wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m. Grab seats for the game. Come on, pick 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of
0: American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpresscom Amex. Terms apply.